Star of the East, how sweet art thou, seen in life's early morning sky, ere yet a cloud has dimmed the brow, while yet we gaze with childish eye. When father, mother, nursing friend, most dearly loved and loving best, first bid us from their arms ascend, pointing to thee in thy sure rest. So starts Father John Keeble's poem from the 19th century. And I am interested in pointing your mind's eye to a motif that dances in the background of today's splendor. Keeble points us as if we were children to the shining star that the Magi from the East followed to the infant Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. That same great churchman gave us his own interpretation of his poetry, or at least one of his interpretations, in an epiphany sermon. Are we not, says Keeble, so far all of us like them, the wise men, in that when children, we too have a sort of star in the east to guide us towards the cradle of our Lord. We are carried to church. We are taught to pray. We learn more or less of scripture, words, and histories. God gives us notice in various ways of that wonderful child who was born at Bethlehem to be king of the Jews. Various things happen from time to time which give us a sort of blind, indistinct feeling that there is within our reach, we know not how near us, a great and heavenly being, could we but feel after him and find him. He continues, Now these notices and feelings, if they are indeed sent by the Most High, as the star was sent to the wise men, will guide us, more or less directly, to Jerusalem, that is, to the Holy Church of God the city set on a hill which cannot be hid. We indeed are in that church already by the Almighty's especial favor, ever since the moment of our baptism. And still, as we search after the truth, our thoughts are brought back to the same church. And providence teaches us that the star guided the wise men to go to Jerusalem, the church and city of God, and ask where the truth is that is, Christ, is to be found. It is no different today. We, too, are to go to Mother Church in our seeking of truth, our searching for meaning, for purpose, for life. In our pursuit of Christ, Mother Church points the way just as your parents pointed out the bright stars of the night sky when you were a child. But Epiphany is about much more than just getting to church, so to speak. Epiphany reminds us also that the church is an amazing place. There is a Gentile connection. The 17th century Anglican divine Lancelot Lancelot Andrews in a very similar vein to Keeble, though 300 years earlier, says, these here that came from the East, first they were Gentiles. Gentiles. That concerns us, for so are we. We may then look out if we can see this star. It is ours. 
it is the Gentile's star. We may set our course by it to seek and to find, to worship him as well as they. He continues a bit later, Wealth, worth, or wisdom shall hinder none, but they may have their parts in Christ's birth as well as those of low degree. And this star leads us to another star, even the root and generation of David, the bright morning star. St. Paul in our epistle lesson this evening tells us that Christ made known to him the mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. The Magi were the first fruits of the Gentiles. They came by faith to a boy king. No, an, an infant king. They arrived and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. The Epiphany star led the wise men to Christ, the head of the church, the true body which we become a part of in our baptism. And so we see the foreshadowing of the mystery that Paul speaks of, the inclusion of the Gentiles in the church. This church that Christ gave us is a compilation of all sorts of men and women. As Bishop Andrews noted, those of wealth, worth, and wisdom, and those who might have less wealth, worth, and wisdom. The church knows no boundaries of men and women, slave and free, black or white, or any other color of the rainbow. All tribes and all tongues will one day worship the king who was born in a stable. Think of it. Some of us here this evening may have more or less in common with one another in terms of vocations, hobbies, interests. But what primarily draws us together as a community this night is the faith we have in common. The faith in that same infant in a stable, born to be king. Of course, we are all called to own that faith, to live out that faith, starting first right here in worship. Hearing the word of God, tasting the word of God made flesh, and then being the very image by the power of the Holy Spirit of that infant that Mary laid in a feeding trough to sleep. The late Father Krause speaks of this faith of the Magi. They walk by faith, and what a faith it is. They see in a helpless infant who cannot even stutter the almighty word of God. They see the King of kings and Lord of lords and Lord of all the worlds in a swaddled infant who cries for mother's milk. They see in the baby Jesus the very Son of God, God from God, light from light, in all the ordinariness and poverty of a cattle stall, exposed to all the winds of human indifference. But that is faith's proper work. That is the pattern of faith for all of us. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Where is the Son of God who comes to save? For we would worship him. Faith bids us find him in the common and the ordinary. Faith bids us to find the word of God in human words. Faith bids us taste the very life of God in bread and in wine. And faith bids us find the Son of God in one another.
This is a living faith. And faith bids us to give gifts to Jesus as well. Most of us probably don't have expensive gifts like the Magi did. Most of the world has not been able to for 2,000 years to give gifts like those. Yet we have a gift that God wants. Christina Rossetti penned a very famous poem that has been used as a hymn for a very long time. The last stanza is this. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. It may seem a little sentimental to our contemporary ears, but boy, she's on the right track theologically, isn't she? St. Paul in Romans 12 tells the Christians in Rome, and by extension tells you and I, you and me, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Later in our liturgy, in what is called the canon of the Mass, the consecration of the elements of bread and wine, we pray that God would indeed accept our living sacrifice, our hearts. And here we offer and present unto the O Lord ourselves, our souls and bodies, to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee. This is the ultimate gift that God is asking of us. Let the Bethlehem star guide you to the Christ child who has grown and loved and suffered and died and rose again and ascended all to be the king of the world for us. Let the church continue to be that star in your life and as Father Keeble reminds us, The church, like a gracious mother, will be ready at our need. She will guide us as she she herself is guided by Holy Scripture. She will send us to Bethlehem because it is so written in the prophets, Bethlehem, which is being interpreted the house of bread, and which therefore is an apt figure of the place where he gives himself to us who is the true bread which cometh down from heaven, the bread of God which giveth the life unto the world. The church, in short, being guided by the scriptures, will send us to the Holy Communion, there to worship and to receive Jesus Christ. What have we to do in this world but to prepare ourselves and to follow that heavenly guidance? And we are so far rightly preparing ourselves as we really from our heart are endeavoring to copy the wise men in their search for the newborn Savior. Amen.